We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. Have you ever thought yourself capable of doing greater works than Jesus? Before you say impossible, stay tuned, because today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reminds us that Jesus himself promised believers they would do even greater things than he had done. From the Jesus you may not know, here's David with the conclusion of his message, is he doing greater works or are we? And thank you for joining us as we begin this new week together. Uh, this is Christmas month, and we're talking about Christ. We're teaching about Jesus, and we're getting ready to celebrate his birth. Well, we'll have today's message and then one on Tuesday. And then, of course, uh, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Monday, we're going to talk about Christmas. So these next two days in the current series and then a Christmas collection of messages to help you really focus in on the birth of Jesus. Hey, friends, could I tell you something that's really exciting? Recently, someone made available to us uh, one of the screens in Times Square uh, for the months of November and December. And we are putting up on those screens messages of hope from the story of Christmas. It's really the only message of hope you'll find in Times Square on any of the screens. If you happen to visit New York, look for it. It's such an encouragement to look up and see messages like joy to the world, uh, the Lord is with you. And uh, those are going to be on every day all through the month of December. And it will be on the night when the ball drops, when all of those people are in Times Square. Okay, here we go. This is... Uh, Part two of Is He Doing Greater Works or Are We? This is the last thing I want to tell you about the works of Jesus. He has power over sadness. Did you know that? Are you sad? Maybe something happened to you yesterday that makes you sad. Maybe you had a phone call from somebody you love and it didn't turn out right. Or on the way to church you found out something that you didn't know that just makes you sad. I have a lot of sadness just about the people that I love and the things they go through. There's a lot of hurt and trouble and sickness and discord. If you let it get to you, it could make you sad all the time. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the Lord of sadness. He has power over heartache and heartbreak. And one way of figuring that out is to track his words. I want to tell you something. I've never done this before. I've not heard this before, but I want to tell you something I found out. On five occasions, Jesus walked into a situation and he said to the person, be of good cheer. For instance, when a paralyzed man was overwhelmed with a guilty conscience, he was brought to Jesus. Our Lord said to him, Matthew 9, 2, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. How many of you know when you realize your sins have been forgiven, you can be of good cheer. For a moment, for a little while, before the trouble starts, forgiveness makes you happy, doesn't it? 
When a woman crept up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his robe, seeking healing, he turned around and he said to her, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. When the disciples were exhausted and frightened and sinking in the middle of the night on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus came to them walking across the waves and shouting, Be of good cheer. They're scared out of their minds. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. When the twelve were distraught on the night Jesus was arrested, he said to them, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And when the apostle Paul encountered a pressure and imprisonment in Jerusalem, Acts 23, 11 says that the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness in Rome. So if you're gloomy over some situation for which you can't find an answer, take time and study the five passages where Jesus says, be of good cheer. Read them in other translations. Look up the cross references. Be of good cheer. Listen to me. Jesus wasn't just making a suggestion. He wasn't just using a cliche. He was commanding them, cheer up. Be of good cheer. What a glorious command. How many of you know? We do have power over that through Jesus, even in the midst of the most difficult times. And usually it's just a matter of taking a step back and seeing it in perspective of time and place and eternity. But God brings into our sadness his very presence and his words to be of good cheer. So I want to say to all of you today, whatever you're going through, be of good cheer. Say it with me out loud. Be of good cheer. Amen. Amen. So there you have five illustrations of the power of Jesus. Before we go on to the last part of this message, here's something I read that kind of shocked me. Remember at the beginning I told you that these things I'm going to tell you about, take them all together, there's probably a dozen, maybe two dozen things I mentioned about the power of Jesus. And that's only a small portion of all the things that are in the Bible about the power of Jesus. But did you know the things that are in the Bible are only a small part of all the things that Jesus did? Listen to the last verse of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 25. And there are many other things that Jesus did, said the writer, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Obviously, that was hyperbole, but what John was saying is, The miracles and the works of Jesus that we have in the Bible are only a small percentage of the many works that he did. Some of them are in here, and John said if you wrote them all down one by one, you just have so many books you wouldn't know what to do with them. He was a miracle-working God. He did powerful things. And that's why we're so surprised when we read John chapter 14 and verse 12, where Jesus is talking to Philip, and he says to Philip, Most assuredly, I say to you, Philip, that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, that is an astounding statement. Jesus said, Philip, all the things that I do, you're going to be able to do them, but Philip, don't be happy with that because you're going to be able to do greater works than I do because I go to the Father. Now, Why could that happen? Listen, when Jesus was crucified and resurrected and he ascended to the Father, 40 days after that, 
The Holy Spirit was given to the world by the Father. Did you know the Holy Spirit's called the gift of the Father, the gift of God? When Jesus went back to heaven, there was this replacement sort of thing that happened, and God sent his Holy Spirit to live within every believer so that while Jesus was on this earth, he was localized, but now the Holy Spirit has come, and Jesus is in all of us who believe, and we're all over the place. So we can do greater works, first of all, because we have a greater message. Listen to me. When Jesus was on this earth 2,000 years ago, he did great things. We've talked about some of them. When he healed somebody, that was a temporal thing. That person died or got sick again. All of his miracles were temporal in the physical realm, And they weren't really done in the first place for the person upon whom the miracle was performed, but so that it might be a sign that others would believe in Jesus. But when you and I present the gospel of Jesus Christ and somebody becomes a Christian, when we go to our neighbors or our loved ones or our family or our friends and we tell them about Jesus and they become a Christian, that meets a permanent need in that person's life and they get what the Bible calls eternal life. And the Bible says, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. When you get eternal life, you may die physically. You will never die spiritually. You will always be related to God. So the greater miracle is not healing somebody from a sickness. The greater miracle is helping them come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We have a greater message, and we have a greater ministry. Did you know that when Jesus Christ was on this earth, he located himself in a small portion of the land of Palestine, and he never left. Someone has said that Jesus never left a space even close to the size of Vermont. Wherever Jesus' miracles were happening, Jesus had to be there because he had voluntarily allowed himself to be in the flesh and accepted the limitations that we have as humanity. So he didn't just think himself to some other place as he once did in his glorified body. He never could do anything unless he personally was there. But when he went back to heaven and the Father gave us the Holy Spirit, now Jesus' Spirit is in everyone who's a believer. So there are millions of followers of Jesus all over the world, and everywhere there's a believer, the presence of Jesus is there, and there's a ministry of some sort. This is an amazing thought. I'm preaching to you right now, and I've already mentioned that as I preach to you, hundreds and thousands of people are listening on the Internet all over the world. Jesus didn't do that. There was no Internet in Jesus' day. Today we live in this incredible time when we can take the message of Jesus way further than Jesus took it, and it's all Jesus in us doing Jesus' work. But Jesus said, when you allow me to work in you through the Holy Spirit I have given you, greater works you will do than I ever did on this earth because my Father has received me into heaven and the Holy Spirit has come to live within each of us. I marvel at that. I just sometimes wonder how it could ever happen. Martin Luther said it this way, Christ took but a little corner for himself to preach and to work miracles and but a little time, whereas the apostles and their followers have spread themselves through the whole world. And it was Jesus who said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
And lo, I am with you always. And is he? Yes, in the presence of his spirit. He is with us everywhere we go. And the spirit of Jesus is in us. So wherever we go, we take Jesus with us. Amen? And so we are pictures of Jesus everywhere we go. We get the privilege of expressing the love of Jesus everywhere in the world. Whereas Jesus, while he was on this earth, stayed in that little space in Palestine. What Jesus is saying to us is this. While I was on this earth, I was localized. I could only touch individual men and women in my travels and speak to a few local audiences. But believe me, after I am gone and the Holy Spirit comes to fill and empower my sons and daughters, my ministry will be as far spread as Christians are far spread. We have a greater message. We have a greater ministry, but there's something else. We have greater miracles. I've touched on this briefly, but let me come back to this. The miracles that Jesus did while he was here on this earth are all temporal in nature. John Phillips helps us understand that. He wrote these words. He said, it's wonderful for a man's eyes to be opened physically, but it's even more wonderful for him to see and understand the gospel. It's a beautiful thing to see a leper made pure. It's even more beautiful for his heart to be made pure. It's a miracle for a deaf man to hear words and music. It's even more miraculous for him to hear and respond to the gospel. And while a dead man might praise God when brought back to life for a few years, a spiritually dead man will praise God for all eternity when he meets Jesus. When you get healed physically, you ultimately will die. But when you get healed spiritually, you will never die. That healing is forever. That's why when we go with the gospel, we are witnessing the greatest miracle that can ever happen in this world. Many of you know... I have a doctor friend. Dr. Furman is the president of World Medical Missions. It's a group that takes doctors on short-term ministry trips to the mission field. Like He goes to Africa many times every year, and he'll take 10 or 15 doctors with him who have specialties in different areas, and they'll go into an area, and they'll just try to help as many sick people as they can. These doctors will do that, then they'll come back, and they never come back the same. They always come back changed. Dr. Furman told me one day something I never forgot. He said, you know, David, he said, we used to just bring people in and do surgery on them and get them better and hope that someday later we'd get a chance to share Jesus with them. And he said, one day we realized that if we perform the lesser miracle on them and we don't tell them about the greater miracle, we've just made them more healthy to go to hell. He said, that's a bad thing. So he said, what we do now is, if the person is conscious, we don't operate on them until we tell them about Jesus. Now, I have to tell you, I think that's probably a very high percentage of people here in the gospel. Okay, we're going to operate on you. Do you want to be operated on you? Okay, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Would you hurry up and tell me about Jesus? Would you tell me the short version of Jesus? Before anybody is operated on in their medical clinics, before the lesser miracle is done, the greater miracle is explained. They may not accept Jesus, but at least they have the opportunity to hear about it before the medical surgery. You see, in the accounting system of God's kingdom, physical, temporal results are great, but spiritual, eternal results are even greater. 
And Jesus promised his disciples that they would do spiritual works that would exceed his own in their geographical reach and their eternal results. During the fighting in the Pacific during World War II, a sailor on a United States submarine was stricken with acute appendicitis. The nearest surgeon was thousands of miles away. Pharmacist Mate Weller Lipes watched the seaman's temperature go up to 106 degrees. His only hope was an operation. So Lipes told him, I've watched doctors do it. I think I could do it. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe the question is, what would you say? The sailor realized he didn't have any other option, so he consented. So in the wardroom, the patient was stretched out on a table beneath the floodlight. This sounds a lot like the circumstances that Dr. Furman's told me about on his trips to Africa. The mate and assisting officers dressed in reversed pajama tops masked their faces with gauze. The cook boiled water for sterilizing the instruments. A tea strainer served as an antiseptic cone. A broken-handled scalpel was the operating instrument. Alcohol drained from the torpedoes was the antiseptic. After making the first incision, the mate took 20 minutes to find the appendix. Two and a half hours later, the last stitch was sewed just as the last drop of ether gave out. And 13 days later, the patient was back at work. Now, let me ask you a question. Suppose that had happened to him in California, in San Diego, and he went to the Scripps Clinic. They take it out without even opening you up. Suppose that sailor had that surgery in that hospital. Which is the greater surgery, the one done in the hospital or the one done aboard that torpedoed boat? Obviously, the greater thing was what he did in his limitations without all of the help of a lot of surgeon helpers and nurses and all of the things that the greater surgery was done because of the limitations that were placed upon the person who did the surgery. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. Your work is greater because of your limitations. The Lord Jesus had no limitation. He was a perfect son of God. We are children. And God uses us in our weakness, in our frailty, and he does his works through us. And that's an amazing thing, that I can go to somebody and tell them about Jesus Christ, as I have numerous times, and then watch over the years as their life is dramatically changed. They become new people. You could not make any other excuse than something dramatic had happened to them spiritually and their whole life was changed. The trajectory of their life, their family, their children, their grandchildren, everything is changed because of this miracle that takes place when a person gives their heart to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, we don't do greater works than Jesus. In the truest sense, Jesus is the greatest. But our works are greater because of the humble weakness of the instrument. The same power that through Jesus brought regeneration in life to many now flows through us. Can you get that? What Jesus did when he was on this earth, he has demonstrated and organized so that we can do it. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now he lets us go seek and save the lost. 
We can't save them in our own power. We can just point them to Jesus. We get to be the preachers and the teachers and the witnesses and get to tell people everything that will change their life more than any human miracle you could ever give a person. When you give them Jesus, you give them the best gift there ever is to be given. And it's a gift that lasts forever and ever and ever. Our doing the works that are greater than Jesus doesn't diminish his work. It simply amplifies it. Not only did he do his work in himself, but he found a way to do his work in us. And he chose us. And he enables us, makes it possible for us to do it. I was back in Fort Wayne for the 50th anniversary of the church that Don and I started in 1969. You know, and I'm married to a nostalgic woman. She wants to go see the old places. Can we drive by the house we first had when we moved here? It might not even be her, honey. Let's go check. Well, we went by the house, and it was for sale again. I don't know how many times it's been sold since we lived in it. As soon as we went by the house, we both instantly remembered when we went there as a young couple. I'm telling you, starting a church was never on the list of things I wanted to do. You might say, I went to Fort Wayne kicking and screaming. I knew it was God's will for my life. But I never wanted to be the pastor of a startup church. I went to seminary for Pete's sake, and I expected to be in a big church with a lot of wealthy people standing up and preaching the Word of God and all that kind of stuff people think about. But here I am, pulling a U-Haul behind me with everything we own, going to Fort Wayne. Our church was four mobile homes put together in a T, and that was the church we started. And we were scared to death. We were talking about that. We had a clue what we were doing. But I'll never forget walking into that little house that we had just purchased. I told Donna, you stay in the car. I'm going to go and make sure everything's all right, and then we'll start getting in here. I walked in. Someone had gotten there before me, and they put a sign up on the kitchen cabinets, kind of in big print, and this is what it said. God's commandments are God's enablements. In other words, if God has called you here, he will help you do what he's called you to do. Listen to me. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> he doesn't call you because you've got all this stuff on your resume. He calls you because you're willing. You're available. Then he puts you in, and you learn a lot when you're getting started. I'm telling you what do you learn. Lessons you'll never forget. And then one day it dawns on you that God has called you to the greatest thing you could ever. One time when I was a pastor there, there was a big opening in the political realm, and we were on television. So they came and asked me if I would run for the political office that was available. And I remember saying to them, why would I do that? That would be a step down. I have the highest calling you could ever have. I don't want to be a politician. I want to be a preacher. So I want to leave this with all of us today. When you get to be in the ministry of Jesus Christ, it's the greatest thing you will ever do. The greatest calling. The Bible says when you serve God with all your heart, you will be able to do greater things than Jesus did when he was on this earth because he went to the Father. And the next verse in John 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it, that the Father might be glorified. Folks, I don't think we realize what God has given us, the privilege and the opportunity we have to serve him. 
by every standard of imagination, this is the greatest thing in the world. Why would we ever stoop to do anything else? We have the greatest message. We have the greatest opportunities. And God has called us to this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, and lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age. What he calls us to do, he will equip us to do. So if you're standing on the edge of something you think God wants you to do, and you've been a little bit afraid, if he called you, just do it. Step out and watch what he does in your life. If you stay back and you never step out, you'll never find out. Take the step of faith. Get in your car. Fill up your U-Haul. Go where he tells you to go. And watch him do great things in your life. Amen. Amen. You know, this verse uh, has really empowered me to know that what God wants to do in this age, in this day, is so much beyond where we mostly set our periods. Don't put your period before the sentence ends. God has a great thing he wants to do through you, through me, through our ministries, through our churches, through our radio programs, and through our lives. Greater works than he did on this earth, and we're showing you how that spells out. You can get all this information from uh, this current series on the Jesus you may not know. You can do that by going to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. Most important right now is for you to get the devotional. The devotional that comes out and available during the month of December every year is a beautiful way for you to stay focused in your spiritual life in the new year. It's leather-covered, beautifully designed, and there is a writing for you spiritually for every single day of the new year, including an extra one for leap year. Ask for your devotional when you send your gift today. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is strengthening your walk with the Lord, drop us a line at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., B4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024, Walking with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app or search in your app store for Turning Point Ministries to access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue The Jesus You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. 
For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Sometimes I smile when I read the part of the Christmas story about King Herod. He was the paranoid king the Romans installed to rule over the region of Judea, which included Bethlehem. Why do I smile at Herod? Well, because I see all of us in him. Because I see how the passage of time doesn't change human nature. When Herod found out a baby had been born with claims to the Jewish throne, he couldn't stand it. He had all the baby boys two years and under killed so as to keep the spotlight on himself. Today we can see something Herod never saw, that Christmas is a great opportunity to focus on someone bigger than ourselves. This is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Start your journey home today.